Haunted by Painted Teeth Chapter 4 Takes One to No One Red was attacking her in a bear hug before Hazel could move a muscle, giggling uncontrollably, gleefully. Hazel, you're a bloody legend! Red exclaimed, and when she pulled back from the hug, Hazel spotted a mania in her eyes. She smiled, or perhaps it was just a nervous twitch, and she shook off the compliment, going rigid in Red's embrace. I didn't mean to, she started, but then there was everyone else encircling her, laying down praise and clapping her on the back, and it was impossible to get another word in over the din. She tried to let their compliments relax her, but that seed of anxiety was still blooming in her stomach. How much more difficult had she just made her life by embarrassing him? Reason argued that he had told them to show off what they could do, and that's what she'd done. On paper, she'd done nothing wrong. But when it came to the military setting, where he was a man in a commanding position, getting beat by a woman who was just a nameless soldier, as he put it, things got more complicated. Her performance had inadvertently taken a shot at his ego, and she'd struck dead on. Eventually, the celebratory whoops quieted, and everyone deposited their wands back to where Malfoy had retrieved them from at the beginning of the training session. Everyone except for Hazel, whose wand had already been confiscated. Dimly, she wondered if she'd get it back, or if he'd hold it hostage as a punishment. Was what she'd done really that bad? She remembered the murderous look in his eyes as he glared at her once she'd ended the tickling jinx, and she knew immediately that yes, what she'd done had really been that bad. Every time she closed her eyes, his stormy glare was there, sending a chill down her spine. As a group, they exited the training room, and Hazel fell into step with Red as they made their way back to their rooms. Luckily, some of them had been paying attention when Barlow had brought them to the training room earlier, and were capable of leading them back, something that Hazel knew was out of the question for her distracted mind. She couldn't even focus on Red's incessant chatter, the topic of which was a recap of hers and Malfoy's duel. Can we not talk about it, actually? She cut in, interrupting Red. Immediately, she felt guilty over the crestfallen look that captured her new friend's freckled face. She forced a smile, searching for a way to backtrack. I think it was a mistake to go that far. Now Malfoy detests me. Red snorted, throwing her hair over her shoulder. The sound echoed in the marble halls. So what? If he can't handle being beat by a woman, then maybe he shouldn't be in charge of training a group of soldiers that's majority female. Hazel glanced at those walking around her and realized that there were, in fact, more women than men in their group. Six women and four men. I feel like I have to apologize, she admitted, meeting Red's incredulous gaze. The other girl shook her head adamantly. If you think you need to, then sure. But if I were you, I'd own it. Hazel considered this as they reached the third floor of the compound where it seemed all of their bedrooms were. Still want me to show you the bathroom? Red asked, evidently remembering their conversation from before dinner. Hazel brightened at the prospect of finally getting some answers. A mirror. Yes, please, she murmured with a smile, and Red's expression changed to match hers. All traces of judgment at Hazel's anxiety gone. It turned out that the bathroom was only a couple of doors down from her own room. It was a communal area with three toilet stalls, two shower stalls, and four sinks, each equipped with a small mirror. Once the mirror fell into her line of sight, 
A sudden burst of trepidation forced her to halt in her path. What if she didn't like what was staring back at her in her reflection? What if she didn't recognize herself? Or even worse, what if she did and she wished she hadn't? All right, Red questioned, turning around from her position at one of the sinks to throw Hazel a puzzled glance. Hazel swallowed. I... She wanted to say that she was scared, but it was a ridiculous thing to admit. Scared of her own reflection? How could she possibly confess that? I haven't seen myself yet. I... I don't remember what I look like. Red's eyebrows drew together in alarm. Wait, seriously? Hazel gave her a reluctant nod, fiddling with the hem of her training shirt. I thought you didn't remember either. No, I mean, I remembered that. Blimey, how much of your memory did they erase? Unease swept through her body. She'd assumed that everyone was as bad off as she was. Perhaps that had been a falsehood. I wish I knew she replied, before finally gaining enough courage to step forward and face the music. Or, rather, face the mirror. The eyes staring back at her in her reflection made the nickname click. Hazel. When Malfoy had assigned it to her, she thought that perhaps he was colorblind because her hair was definitely a few shades darker than Hazel. But now, peering at her own irises, she understood the reason for the name. Her eyes trailed further across her face, and she begged her mind for some recognition, but not even her face looked familiar. Dark circles occupied the real estate beneath her eyes, and her jaw, though her chin was rounded in shape, was sharp. Her cheeks were sunken, light freckles dotting across the tanned skin. If she were a degree paler, she'd think she was staring at a corpse. Had her face always looked this thin? Or had the order starved her while she'd been their captive? She couldn't help but reach up and trail her fingertip across the sallow skin, almost wondering if the touch would bring back a memory. Then, she caught sight of the tattoo that Red had pointed out before. Just like she'd said, the number 17 was printed on the right side of her neck, maybe two inches in length, making it smaller than the one on her arm. A burst of nausea percolated in her throat at seeing the tattoo for the first time. Since it wasn't visible without a mirror, she could pretend as though it didn't exist. But now, eyes trained on the bold, black number, the lie was impossible to maintain. It was permanent, marking her as a soldier. As property, almost. Whenever anyone looked at her, she knew they'd see the tattoo. For the rest of her life. At least, the one on her upper arm could be hidden by clothing. If she wanted to hide this tattoo, she'd have to wear turtlenecks exclusively. She forced her eyes to leave the tattoo, if only as an attempt to dispel the nausea. Her gaze fell to her hair, the sole part of her that matched what she'd assumed, a dark, curly mess that fell down just past her shoulders. She wrapped a coil of it around her index finger, just to feel that it was real. That she was real. Um, don't take this the wrong way, but I think you could use a shower, Red piped up from her right, biting her lip to hide her smile. There was no reaction more appropriate than laughter, and Hazel brought her index finger to her nose and inhaled. Red was right. She could use a shower. Together, they located shampoos, conditioners, soaps, and towels in a small closet before they stepped into the two respective shower stalls. Hazel latched the door to the stall securely before undressing and pulling back the flimsy white curtain that hid a tiled square with a drain in the center. She grasped at the unfamiliar handle to the shower and had to mask a yelp as a stream of icy cold water rained down on her skin, 
forcing her eyes to spring open and her body to throw itself against the opposite wall. She yanked the handle to the opposite side and prayed for the temperature of the water to rise, and mercifully, after a moment, it did. She felt her muscles relax under the stream of droplets, though it did nothing to quell the shaking aftershocks from the frozen water. She spent the first five minutes of the shower facing the shower head, her head tipped up to the ceiling and her eyes closed. There was something about being enveloped in warm water that made her feel like she was in another world. With the water rolling across her closed eyelids and the steam working its way through her nose and into her lungs, she was transported elsewhere. Somewhere that asked nothing of her, where she was no longer a girl with no memories who'd just made the colossal mistake of beating her superior in a duel. No, under all the water, all of those worries melted away. They slid off her body and circled down the drain, away, away, away. She was practically humming with satisfaction at the feeling. There was no way to tell if she was religious or not, but regardless, the experience was almost like a baptism, washing away her sins beneath the water. Absently, she wondered if she'd been baptized. In any case, it was an enjoyable sensation. But eventually, she opened her eyes, hearing red squirting shampoo out of a bottle, and knew that she couldn't just stand motionless under the water forever. She turned away from the shower head so that she faced the opposite wall and wiped her hands across her eyes before locating the shampoo she'd tucked into a little alcove in the adjacent wall. It lathered in her palms and she worked the floral-scented shampoo into her scalp and then through the strands of kinky hair that soaked the water in like a sponge. By the time she was squeezing the water from her head and tugging the shower handle into an off position, Hazel felt like she could finally draw in a deep breath. Red was already gone as she padded out of the shower stall, and she debated the choice of whether to walk through the halls with wet, bare feet or put on dirty socks and sweaty trainers. A moment's hesitation, and she was tiptoeing on the deep green carpet of the hallway with her towel wrapped tightly around her body, her dirty clothing and trainers bundled together in her other hand. Once in her room, she tracked down a pair of pajamas in the armoire and tried to towel out the remaining moisture in her hair, which proved to be a fruitless task. She wished, for the second time that day, that her room would contain a clock. Time was starting to become a hazy notion. Maybe if she knew that it was late, she could convince herself to go to bed. But now, hopped up on adrenaline from her duel and woken up from the shower, she could only eye her bed like it was taunting her as she paced next to it. Perhaps in sleep she wouldn't be thinking this much about, well, everything about Malfoy and how to apologize, about her lost memories, about the future. There were too many questions and too few answers, and she could already tell she had an analytical mind from the way that frustration had become an ever-present lurker among her thoughts. The pacing quickly morphed from calming to agitating, and she took a seat on the edge of the bed, kicking her legs restlessly. The main thing that bothered her was how everyone was treating her lack of memories or really the lack of all of their memories. Maybe it was just a given that memories would never return after being erased, but even so, why deprive them of information that could help them return to some normalcy? It was probably some nameless soldier bullshit, but for fuck's sake, she was still a person. Didn't she deserve to have an identity? To have a name beyond just a nickname for her eye color? As before, she wished she knew more about what she was even fighting for. She had lost everything about herself while in service to this dark lord, 
and she didn't even know what she or her side was battling for. Barlow had vaguely said that the other side, the Order, was trying to ruin the wizarding world. But what did that even mean? Who was the Dark Lord? What was the war really even about? And why would nobody tell her anything? A sudden burst of pain distracted her from her thoughts, and she realized that in her silent anger she had been gnawing on the inside of her cheek. She pressed her tongue against the abused spot where she'd been too hard, tasting iron. She had no hope in getting to sleep anytime soon if she was this distressed. She stood to pull back the covers from the bed and slid under them, grateful to find them cold against her skin, still hot from the shower. She needed to find something else to think about, something that would calm her down, something that she could distract herself with. The first thing to flash into her mind was Malfoy. Well, the duel against Malfoy. Before she'd volunteered for her turn, she'd seen him all but slaughter every other one of her peers. But not her. She'd been able to not only hold her own against him, but work away his shield and cut away his defenses enough that he couldn't stop himself from being jinxed. She didn't let her mind wander beyond that, to his vicious expression, to the anxiety that it caused in her. No, she would focus on that feeling of pride. Hazel may have lost her memories, but clearly she hadn't lost her skill with a wand. Her mind was sharp, her reflexes were quick, and her determination was strong. And it was with this thought that she finally faded into unconsciousness, her hands folded across her stomach, and a faint smile painted on her lips. She settled further into the soft couch, her legs tucked beneath her and a large book open on her lap. Her right index finger tracked her progress on the page, trailing across the words like she was finger painting, while her left hand absently stroked the animal perched next to her. The cat beside her meowed quietly, but she didn't peel her eyes away from the book, only switching her petting technique to a scratching movement, rather than stroking. The cat meowed louder in reply. I just fed you, she muttered. Another meow. Finally, she broke her concentration and glanced over the orange animal whose yellow eyes were trained on her face, unblinking. What is it that you want? She questioned, raising an eyebrow as he flicked his tail. You spoiled creature. She leaned forward to deposit the book onto the coffee table, and the moment that she leaned back, the cat stood and nuzzled her chest, sitting contentedly in her lap. She couldn't help a wry smile as she scratched behind his ears. You're lucky I love you, she muttered. And the cat purred back, which she decided meant that he loved her too. She awoke with a start, eyes blinking rapidly up at an unfamiliar ceiling. She glanced around the room, straining to understand where she was and what had woken her up. The first question was answered as her foggy mind cleared and she remembered the prior day, and the second was answered when a voice emerged from the table next to the bed. Breakfast in 15 minutes. Dress for training. Her attention was drawn to a small coin on the table that she hadn't noticed before. Hesitantly, she reached for it, and the moment that her fingers made contact with its surface, a holograph appeared above it, noting the time and a written version of the message. So, it seemed that there was a clock in the room after all, just not in the form of any clock she'd ever seen, or so she could assume. She turned the coin around in her palm, marveling at it. What a fascinating object! It must have been charmed to act as an intercom of sorts, to relay messages and announcements. Brilliant! Absolutely brilliant! Then, remembering what it had said, 
She threw the covers aside and beelined to the armoire to get changed. She only had 15 minutes to be downstairs for breakfast. She plucked an identical pair of training clothes to yesterday's from the shelves and dressed quickly, heading to the bathroom next. It seemed that everyone else had the same idea as her as she opened the door to a swarm of activity. Evidently, the floor only had one bathroom, and one of the boys brushed past her through the exit with only a towel tied around his lower body. She jumped at the contact that her arm made with his bare abdomen, but he met her alarm with a grin. It was... Irish. Or no, Boulder. She quickly averted her gaze, looking for an opening to the sinks. She found one as Blue stepped back from the farthest mirror, fixing her with a radiant smile as she walked towards her. "'Good morning, Hazel!' she chirped, and it was impossible not to smile back at her. She then rushed over to the now unoccupied area and made quick work of brushing her teeth so that she could move on to the biggest task of all, taming her hair. It seemed that sleeping with wet hair had not done her curls any favors. Here, said Red next to her, offering a hairband. Hazel grinned and accepted it. If you need more, they're in the closet. Red was quickly becoming her favorite person here. She eventually settled on throwing the curls up into a ponytail, though it looked like she was a paintbrush the way the hair seemed to sprout from the back of her head. But there was no more time to fuss with it as she realized the bathroom was emptying out, her peers starting to head to breakfast. She finally pulled her gaze from the mirror to see Red waiting for her, her own ginger locks in a half-up, half-down look. A rush of warmth flooded her chest and she was certain that they'd been friends before they'd both lost their memories. How could they not have been? Together, they made their way down to the dining room. I'm starved, Red whined as they descended the grand staircase, and Hazel noticed the aroma of breakfast strengthening the closer they got to the dining room. Her stomach twisted in response. I just hope the food is as good as it was last night. Red groaned at her words, and she laughed at the other girls' dramatics. As they approached the entry to the hall, they were met with waves from the far table where they'd sat for dinner. All eight of the other memory-wiped soldiers were there, already picking at the breakfast food. Red practically sprinted to the table. Hazel sat next to Buck, and Red took the seat across from her, next to Blue. The ten of them barely spoke for the first five minutes, all busy shoveling the assortment of scrambled eggs, blueberry scones, corn muffins, and berries into their mouths. It lived up to her hope. It was even better than their dinner had been. She hadn't expected food at a military compound to be so delicious, but as the sugary scone melted on her tongue, she couldn't complain. They were able to maintain a conversation several minutes later, when their mouths had slowed down as they started working their way through their second helpings. "'What do you think training's going to be like today?' Pixie asked, biting off a piece of buttered toast. Hazel looked down, but she could feel all of their eyes trained on her. The reality of Pixie's question was about what effect Hazel's and Malfoy's duel would have on him and his treatment of the rest of them. She busied herself by scooping a forkful of eggs into her mouth, chewing slowly and avoiding the gazes of those around her. We'll have to finish off the duels, I suppose, Bushy piped up. I haven't gone yet. Blue, Joker, and Irish all chimed in with similar sentiments. Hazel fought the urge to apologize for robbing them of their training time lest she draw attention to herself. At this moment, that was the last thing she wanted to do. Instead, she glanced up and let her eyes scour the room, playing what had become both her most anticipated and most dreaded game, searching for someone familiar. None of the faces her gaze landed upon were familiar in the sense of knowing them from before her memories were wiped, but 
Some of them she recognized from the previous day. She knew none of their names, save for Barlow, and had no clue what their purpose of the compound was, but she was comforted by the idea that there was starting to be some familiarity. All comfort faded, though, when her gaze landed on Malfoy. She looked away immediately, fearful of his eyes finding her too, but after a moment of staring at her plate, she returned to his face. It felt like the most courageous thing in the world. He was sitting with the same man he'd been with yesterday, immersed in conversation. If he felt her looking at him, he didn't let on. She allowed her gaze to travel his face, to see him in this jovial mood with who she assumed was a friend, rather than how he'd glowered at her at the end of their duel, mentally cursing her out. His expression was more relaxed, some of the tension in his face relieved. She hadn't realized it earlier, but she now wondered if he was actually her and her peers' age. He'd seemed much older before, ordering them around so authoritatively. You're staring. Hazel flinched, and her gaze shifted to Red, who was leaning across the table, braced upon her folded forearms. She flushed, reaching for another scone and picking off the edge of it, though she didn't know if her stomach could bear even a morsel more. What do you want about? She lilted, deciding on cluelessness as the best plan of attack. Red leaned back, rolling her eyes and flashing her a conspiratorial grin. You're thinking too much. It's all going to be fine. He's probably already forgotten about it, yeah? She glanced back at Malfoy, her momentarily forgotten anxieties rushing back. He looked just like them in this moment, quietly laughing with his friend. But if he returned her gaze, she knew that his smile would vanish and that hard glint would reappear in full force. She dropped the scone back onto her plate, suddenly wishing she hadn't eaten so much. Her full stomach was only making her nauseous. By the end of breakfast, she'd contributed only a handful of sentences to the conversation. Barlow stopped by their table to say that training would begin in an hour, and until then, she'd give them a tour of the rest of the compound. As they all stood from the table, making to follow Barlow out of the room, Hazel spotted Malfoy departing to the right. Before she could second-guess it, she announced to the group that she had to use the bathroom, and then hurried away in the direction that Malfoy had gone. Her instinct after the duel had been to apologize, and it was the only solution she could think of to the problem. If she could make him see that her intentions hadn't been malicious and that what she'd done was an accident, then maybe he wouldn't be so inclined to make her life a living hell. Of course, Red would probably argue that there was no way to yet know whether that was Malfoy's plan. But Hazel was stubborn, and she got the sense that Malfoy was as well. Takes one to know one. So she dashed after him, ignoring the questioning glances from those she passed until she made it to a hallway. An empty hallway. He was gone. She let out a tremendous exhale, cursing herself for letting him evade her so easily. But then she spotted it. A tremor from one of the doors at the end of the hallway. A clue that meant it had only just closed. A sign of life. Swallowing her worry, she trudged on and pushed through the double doors. Stunned wasn't an adequate word to describe the feeling that stopped her in her path, stranding her halted in the doorway, head tilted up to take in her surroundings. She stood in the entrance of a massive library, shelves ascending all the way to the ceiling, which looked like a moving Michelangelo piece. A cherub with gently flapping wings batted his eyes at her, and a nude woman arched her head back, basking in the painted golden light. She peeled her eyes away from the ceiling, almost dizzy from looking up. 
She tried to remember what she'd come in for, but instead her feet propelled her forward, her arms reaching up to touch the spines of the books. The library was rectangular for its majority, sweeping into a half-circle shape at its end where windows covered most of the wall's surface. There was a spiral staircase just to the right of the windows, leading up to a mezzanine where Hazel could spot what seemed to be a reading nook, a couch, some chairs, and a coffee table with a green shaded reading lamp. She wanted nothing more than to grab a book, scurry up the stairs, and get comfortable. The sound of pages turning shook her from her reverie, and she suddenly remembered her purpose in finding the library. All the tension that had disappeared from her muscles the moment she'd entered the room reappeared, and her previously excited steps grew hesitant as she cautiously made her way towards the sound. She ducked her head into one of the aisles between stacks and nearly jumped at the sight of blue-gray eyes already staring at her. Malfoy. Malfoy.